Welcome to John Glenn College of Public Affairs Policy Brief, webcast series of informed conversations with policymakers and influencers and public sector professionals. My name is Trevor Brown. I'm Dean of the Glenn College and proud to be your host. I'm joined today by the state of Ohio's budget director uh, and director of the Office of Budget Management, Kim Mernix. Kim, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for making time in what is a busy budget season. Um, I know you are around the clock engaged in the state's fiscal health. So thanks for making time to talk about this. No problem. Let's uh, let's go back to the, I know we're coming to the close of this fiscal year, and that's that's mm-hmm. what I want to talk about. And then later in the conversation, we'll talk about next fiscal year. Um, but let's, let's start by talking about COVID-19's impact on fiscal year 20. How, how soon did the state know that we would see a fiscal impact from COVID-19? And, and what were the early warning signs for the state? Sure. So when we first began to see some of the impacts of the pandemic overseas, so when we started seeing the first reports out of China in January and kind of going more global into February, we started taking some internal actions at OBM to begin some cost containment measures. So we sort of started slowing the rate of some of our statewide hiring and looking at contracts, slowing down some of the spending in advance of really seeing the pandemic kind of come on shore and and start impacting Ohio. Now then as we got into March and it was clear that it was going to um, spread nationally into Ohio and likely impact our economy, then we started taking um, more, even more proactive measures like hiring freezes and spending freezes and talking with our cabinet directors about Um, potential budget reductions. We saw the actual impact on our state revenues for the first time in March. So as of the end of February, beginning of March, state revenues, tax revenues, um, sales and income tax were well ahead of budgeted estimates. Ohio budgeted budgets pretty conservatively. And so we were we were on solid ground. We were meeting our estimates, exceeding them on the sales tax side, especially. But when we were um, required to shut down some of our um, economic activity in order to slow the spread of the virus and take some of those health precautions related to um, business closings that was immediately apparent in our finances. So our March non-auto sales tax was down for the first time, really in a significant way all year. And that was as of, you know, those last two weeks in March when the health orders began to impact the economy. We saw that fairly immediately. And then it became more dramatic in April. Now, as we've started to move out of some of those um, more restrictive closures as we've started the responsible reopening of the economy in May, we've started to see that turnaround. So, um, but as far as when we see the impacts, it is almost immediately on the sales tax side. So let's, there's so much good stuff in that answer. I wanna, I wanna pull out pieces of it. So this actually we'll talk about towards the end of the conversation about the sort of exercise of forecasting and modeling. Mm -hmm. 
put into it a little bit later. But I'm, I'm so fascinated that you guys had the foresight to begin thinking about this as it was unfolding in China. You know, often we think of state budgeting as so nestled within <laughs> the federal system and it's its own insulated little world. But talk a little bit more about how, how, did, you, how did you think to know we ought to be looking at what's happening in China? Sure. So Ohio, we're a global economy. We are the seventh largest economy in the state. If you looked at us as a, as a nation in terms of global economy, we're the 21st largest. So we do look at what's happening globally in the economy. And while at that point in time, early on, the most significant impacts that we were um, anticipating had to do with supply chain. You know, would some of Ohio's businesses suffer supply chain slowdown and therefore economic effects because of the pandemic? And well, at that point it wasn't a pandemic, but because of um, the coronavirus shutting down operations in China. So those were the first things we were looking at. And then of course, as it spread, then it became, okay, how can, how might this from a health standpoint begin to affect Ohio and Ohioans and therefore our economy. Second part of that great first answer, um, you mentioned that Ohio has a, a budget it's uh, conservatively. Yes. Um, and, and you sort of made the case that that positioned us well for, for some kind of downturn without knowing it would perhaps be as extreme as the one we're, we're currently in. Where, where does that come from? Was that something specific to the DeWine administration, a sort of budgeting approach that the governor pursues? Or is that something that you see as more interwoven into the fabric of budgeting here in Ohio historically? I do think that it is a product both of um, our approach, the DeWine administration's approach to the budget. We, when we, um, when the governor came into office last year, we have always had the long view, you know, not just looking at the first budget, but how do we position Ohio well to continue our priorities into the second budget and beyond. So there was always that kind of long view. We don't want to um, overstretch our resources. But I do think that that is also woven into the fabric of Ohio budgeting. Um, my team at OBM, many of them have been there for many years, they've been through many budgets and budgeters, those who have to live and implement the budget, I think are naturally more conservative because we have to balance it at the end of every year. So that's just a, a byproduct of where, where we are in, in the process. We're both at the beginning and at the end. So, so we keep both of those in mind as we're going through the budgeting process. Is um, so you, you mentioned um, that you have to balance the budget. That's true of the vast majority of, of states in the United States. So, would you say generally states tend to budget conservatively, or is there great variability across states? And then that way, maybe Ohio is distinct in its conservatism, small c. I do think that most states tend to be on the conservative side. Not all states have some of the planning resources that we have. Not all states have a significant balance in their rainy day fund. Not all states have specific accounts that they set up and set aside for 
natural disasters and emergencies. So, so those are some tools that Ohio has and has traditionally had in our toolbox that some states have, not all states. But so all of that together, plus a conservative budgeting approach, I think did position us as well as anyone to deal with the current situation. Okay, so let's let's close out fiscal year year twenty. Just you you mentioned them briefly. Just what are the specific steps that the state has taken on the fiscal front to just close fiscal twenty in as strong a position as we could given the circumstances? So early on, we um, as I as I talked about earlier, mentioned earlier, we did some really initial budget control measures, slowing the pace of hiring, slowing the pace of spending. Um, then once the magnitude of the impact on our economy, especially on the sales tax, became clear through April, then in early May, Governor DeWine announced um, executive order budget reductions. And those were significant, over $775 million in the final two months of the fiscal year. We have then proceeded to implement those measures We've also worked with our national partners, with our congressional delegation, to reach out to um, the federal government for assistance. And the so Congress and the Trump administration were very proactive in March and April, passing four supplemental spending bills that included a few key measures, but um, one that is very key to our balancing of fiscal year 20 is that they implemented a 6.2% increase in the federal Medicaid FMAP. That's the matching rate. So by the federal government picking up a larger proportion of the Medicaid budget, that also relieves our general revenue fund, our state resources, from that spending. So all of those measures coupled together have put us in a position to balance fiscal year 20. Early on, we also worked with our our General Assembly to um, create a provision should we need to access the rainy day fund this fiscal year. So that was passed in March to give us that flexibility. However, where we sit now in June and looking to or towards closing the fiscal year over the next few weeks, we don't anticipate needing to actually use the rainy day fund this year. That was one of the specific decision points um, in May that, that the governor made was, it looks like this could be a long recovery. We want to retain those resources to stabilize our budget next fiscal year and perhaps even beyond. And so we took that initiative to reduce spending upfront in order to protect those resources for the future. Another very clear piece of evidence of Ohio's conservative budgeting approach, not tapping that rainy day fund, but, but pushing it off. So, mm-hmm. so let's, let's talk about the future. Now let's look to fiscal year 21. And, and we had Brian Pereira from the Office of Government Relations on a little while ago, and mm-hmm. he's been an old hand in the state's budgeting world for a long, long time. She gave us sort of a little overview of sort of budgeting 101. But, but talk to us a little bit more about the biennium budgeting process here in Ohio. And we're now entering into the second year of a biennium. As, as we approach fiscal year 21, what, what authorities does the governor have? You mentioned the steps he took, and then you mentioned him um, approaching the legislature. In order to balance next year's budget, what, what authorities does he have and what role does the legislature play? 
Sure. Um, as we go into fiscal year 21, he, the governor does have statutory authority to, again, make executive order budget reductions. He has statutory authorities to implement measures to control our personnel costs. So last week, he announced um, some of those measures, cost savings days for state employees, exempt state employees, so that um, we can constrain our personnel spending during fiscal year 21. The uh, accessing the rainy day fund, the budget stabilization fund, should we should he decide to access that fund this fiscal year would require partnering with the General Assembly. And that's something that I think we are we're open to as we're looking at all of the various tools that we have to balance. We, um, you know, that may be something that we work with the General Assembly on as we go through fiscal year 21. We will also be monitoring our revenues very closely to ensure that we balance the all of the various options. You know, we don't want to reduce spending more than we need to, and we want to keep services intact for Ohioans when they need them. Because one of one of the um, the issues that all states face during times like this is the times when you see your revenues dwindling, your sales tax dwindling, your your um, income taxes impacted are the same times that Ohioans most need support from state government. So that is something that we have to balance. And so tracking revenues, um, you know, I get a daily revenue report and track those against previous years and against our estimates on a daily basis. We do monthly reporting in a very detailed way on that and we'll continue to do that probably even more closely as we go forward. We have recently reprojected our fiscal year 21 revenues. And so we've announced what that gap is and we're starting to take actions to close that gap. On the, on the spending side, right? So last uh, close of this fiscal year engaged in some reductions. Um, without asking you to sort of specifically say which ones are more important than others, just talk about, you know, you very um, nicely said that one of the challenges here is trying to ensure that in this, this period of decline in revenues, you still, that's when people need services. How, how does the governor and you and others decide which of those services um, need the resources because you're going to have to take it from somewhere? So just what's the process that you go through? It's, it's challenging. The every line item, every appropriation in the budget is there because it is a priority. And so when you have declining revenues, it's a balance. How do you balance the demands? How do you balance those priorities? Um, there were some, some portions of the budget that we had planned for fiscal year 20 that because of some of the um, pandemic impacts and teleworking, working from home, not being as um, able to, to do things like home visiting. So some of those were naturally limited in fiscal year 20. And as we go forward, will become more important in fiscal year 21. So the choices and the options change given our situation. But we look to things like 
making sure that we have the resources available for those who have been negatively impacted by the pandemic. We look to how we can use federal resources that um, may be able to close some of those gaps for those new demands that the pandemic has created. And then we look to how can we stabilize all of our other programs on an ongoing basis. So it is, it, it's the whole cabinet working together with the governor. It's working through what are our priorities, what are the most important things that we can do. He's very focused on making sure that we continue to do as much COVID testing as possible. So we continue to monitor the pandemic and keep the um, impact of the COVID virus itself as limited as possible because we know that if we protect Ohioans' health, that long-term protects our economy. So we've talked about the spending side and you've mentioned the rainy day fund and you, you also mentioned the revenue side, but talk through what the options are there. What, what in your mind is available to the state to enhance revenue generation during this period? The best thing we can do to enhance our revenues is to get Ohioans um, back to work and to get our economy back on its feet. We were on, a, on very solid ground from an economic perspective coming in to the pandemic. Um, we had actually seen most of our leading indicators moving in a very positive direction. Unemployment was low. Um, our revenues, as I mentioned earlier, were exceeding estimates. And so the best thing we can do is, is help people get back to where they were prior to the pandemic and keep the health impacts under control so that we don't have a second spike of cases and that therefore additional measures that we have to take, for instance, in the fall. So balancing all of those things is important, but the best thing we can do for our budget is get our economy back on that solid track. Also in your answer, you, you talked about estimates and um, yes. some degree modeling, and we get to geek out a little bit on this, <laughs> on this conversation. These are the kinds of things that people that take our classes and, and think about the things we do get excited about. So during COVID-19, we've heard a lot about modeling um, about that activity and that function. Um, and we've heard a little bit about how it works. How does that work for you in your world? Um, as you begin to project out, how far do you look into the future? What assumptions are you making? Who, who does that work? How, how are you conducting that, that key function for you uh, in terms of being able to keep watch on the state's fiscal situation? Sure. So we have a team. Um, our revenue team at OBM who works with our, we have several contracts with e economics firms, Moody's, IHS Market, who do various sorts of models of different economic conditions with different possible curves and predictions of what may happen. And we then take all of those models, we look at which one seems to most track with what we're currently seeing in Ohio. We see, we look at all of the various variables and see which one seems to match our um, 
what we've seen in the past. The interesting thing in this situation though is there have there's never been an economic condition quite like this. So even the econometric modelers are are struggling and continuously updating their models. We we saw new models coming out almost every single week, especially back during March and April. So that was a challenge. What we did for our initial estimates for fiscal year 20, kind of those immediate updates, we looked at the um, which portions of our economy contribute to the various um, pieces of the sales tax and which were um, under re restrictions because of the pandemic and actually um, kind of reforecast those on an individual basis to update our sales tax figures and, and our projections for April, May, and June. Now going into next fiscal year, we're doing a more traditional economic modeling of that. And so we've matched the economic model that seems to most fit, which is, you know, almost looks like a Nike swoosh. It's a dramatic downturn, the part that we're in now, and then a gradual recovery throughout the rest of the fiscal year and even beyond. And We've matched that up with our sales and income tax models and, and updated our projections. And so we will continue to look at our actuals every single month and see how those track. And I would expect possibly update even um, as we go forward. A little bit of art, a little bit of science, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more art in this period than science, given all the uncertainty around this stuff. A little, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, we, we look at all of the data, we look at all of the, the variables, and um, it, it, it's a lot, many spreadsheets, many um, data points, and, but then how we bring those all together you're right, it is an art, and it's looking at to the experience of folks who have been doing this a long time, um, folks at, the, at OBM and the Ohio Department of Taxation. You know, we, we work very closely together, and, and we have very experienced folks who have been through different economic conditions over many years, nothing quite like this. Um, so it's it's been an interesting time, but, but so far we've, um, We've been able to keep on track, and I think we've been pretty successful at that. So that goes to experience. Well, now, now I want to sort of bring us towards closure by looking to the future. And you, you partially answered this, this next question with your, I wish I had a Nike swoosh on right now. <laughs> uh, so as, as you guys begin to look towards the future, knowing that this is, is a blend of art and science, and there's no uh, definitive answer to this question, but can we expect that the fiscal impacts that hit you know, at the tail end of fiscal 20 and right now as we enter into fiscal 21, do you see these as sort of one-time shocks and hence we're going to go back up? Or are you thinking this is, there's some permanency to, to some of these dynamics? It does appear that the, it's, it's largely a shock. We, one of the risks to our current um, projections is if there's a, a second outbreak of the virus that causes um, the, the recovery to look more like a W with, you know, two, um, you know, dramatic declines that we then have to, to kind of dig back out of. But so that's a risk. Our model, though, looks, it, it really looks towards the gradual reopening. Now, we know that there will be 
some businesses and industries that will be able to um, rebound more quickly. We're looking at how can we be helpful to encouraging that rebound. And so, for instance, the um, Development Services Agency started, um, announced a few programs, and we received controlling board approval for these um, last two weeks ago. And these are programs that help businesses to retool to the new um, conditions. So creating businesses that can produce things like the, that PPE, the personal protection equipment that we found um, was all created outside of our borders that now we want to kind of retool some of our businesses to bring that back. So that's um, kind of a shift in some of our um, economic strategy that was caused by the pandemic, but that will be important to our recovery. So we've created some additional programs specifically for um, minority and women-owned businesses, um, micro programs to, to help them recover more quickly. So we're looking at how can we be helpful during this recovery as well. I want you to both think about this in your immediate role, but also just stepping back as a student of, of budgeting, well-trained at the John Glenn <laughs> That's right. Um, how, how do you prepare for, for fiscal emergencies? How do you, how do you prepare for these? And, and do you think we have the right system in place, both, both here in Ohio, but sort of broadly, as we were talking about the sort of approach to state budgeting, um, do we have the right system here in the United States at the state level to account for, we can't predict what the, the shock will be, but we know there will be shocks. What's the, is the system well calibrated for that? So I think Ohio is. Uh, I mentioned our budget stabilization fund, the rainy day fund. Um, we also, every single year in the budget, we have a disaster services fund and an emergency purposes fund that both work together for, for situations like this, those unpredictable things that, even though it is unpredictable what will happen, it is pretty predictable that it will be something, whether it's flooding, whether it's a tornado, you know, all of these unknowns that we, so we budget for those here in Ohio every year. What I will say is the federal level is very fragmented as far as so many different disaster and emergency programs that that seems like an opportunity for some policy attention and streamlining because it can be confusing, especially for state and local um, leaders to navigate all of the various systems that exist. So, um, you know, rewinding from before the pandemic, last summer during our, our first year in office, we were faced with um, flooding, tornadoes, and um, some effects to the agricultural community caused by a lot of rain that happened last spring, so spring of 19 and into that summer. And what we found was there were different federal programs for all of the, these different types of things we had to figure out ways to navigate through them, and they all have different requirements, all have different reporting needs, and that can be really challenging, especially when you're working um, at all three levels of government, you know, federal and state and local, all working together to address these. So 
I do think that we have we have a system that is is quite expansive, but I think it could be streamlined to be even more effective. So, so those are some of the things that we think about. But um, as far as Ohio's position, I think I think we do a lot of the right things. I think we we could working with um, you know our partners at other levels of government maybe streamline those things a little bit. Last question to conclude this great conversation. <laughs> um, what, what's it like to make these kinds of decisions and play the role that you do as the state budget director? Is this largely a, just an analytical exercise or are there particular other skills and traits that you find you're drawing upon now as a, as a budget leader? Interesting question. I, I think that communication is key. Um, it's always important to be able to not just be able to analyze the information and data, but to be able to communicate that. It is important to be responsive and able to deal with change quickly and to be nimble. And so those are all things that people probably don't think of as, you know, traits to develop as you're, as you're looking at your career. But I think, the ability to deal with ambiguity <laughs> comes in handy sometimes. And for a lot of what I see my role is, is listening to the governor, listening to the cabinet, listening to um, our local partners, what are the needs, and then finding the resources to match to those needs. So the budget office doesn't, doesn't create the policy needs. We, we help people solve them. That's how I look at it. So when Governor DeWine called you up and asked you about this job, he didn't put deal with a global pandemic in the job description? That wasn't, that wasn't in there? <laughs> that was not in the job description, but, um, you know, helping make Ohio a better place, um, working with him to, to carry out his agenda focused on families and and building Ohio for the future those were those were definitely the the attractions to the job well Kim thank you for performing that role and thank you for having this conversation with me today it was great great education and we'll look forward to bringing you back on at some later date when hopefully things have stabilized and we can look back on um, was the swoosh the right prediction <laughs> uh, that's right Policy Brief is produced by the John Glenn College of Public Affairs at The Ohio State University.